everybody, Mike Dempsey here. It's NFL playoff time, and you can still win playing Underdog Fantasy by picking higher or lower on player stats at underdogfantasy.com. Sign up with promo code 1010XL, and Underdog will double your first deposit up to $100. Trevor drops, looks, looks, fires back in the end zone, caught for the touchdown! Touchdown in the back of the end zone to Calvin Ridley and Jacksonville has taken the lead. Checks it down underneath. That's a crossing route to Christian Kirk. 30, 25, 20, 15, 10. Christian Kirk to the goal line. Touchdown, Jacksonville. A crossing route to Christian Kirk. And the Jags have retaken the lead. Fires this one deep downfield, and that ball is going to be picked off. The Jags pick it off, and they're going to run it back. That is Dewey Winger. Picked it off in the middle of the field. He's still running it back. He got it into Pittsburgh territory. Andrew Wingard stepped up and picked that thing off. Just disappointing. Disappointing the way we finished our season. Obviously, it's, it's definitely not good enough. You know, things start with me, and i got to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable and I'm doing all I can to, you know, help our football team win on and off the football field, but just not good enough. Uh, it hurts, you know, it hurts to not be able to finish and you look at where we were at one point in the season and just finished really, really poorly and kind of, you know, gave it away. So there's so many things you look at and it's disappointing and frustrating and we have a lot of really great players and I think we have the potential to be a great team. We didn't finish the year that way. 1010XL 92.5 FM presents Jaguars Today with your hosts, Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, and Hold my pocket. Dylan Denmark. All right, welcome in, everybody. Happy Monday, kicking off a fresh week here as we get further removed from the Jaguars 2023 season and deeper into the NFL playoffs. This is Jaguars Today. I'm Mike Dempsey. Good morning, Tony Smith. Good morning. How are you? How was your Doing weekend? Well. It was good. Yeah, a lot of football. A lot of football, yeah. Me too. Um, watched most of it. I didn't see every snap, but I watched um, most of it, I would say, this weekend. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that's because I just didn't have a front row seat to the goings-on at the uh, faculty student basketball game over at Baldwin. <laughs> <laughs> Been waiting all weekend, Tony, to find out how much pocket stuff the box score. Oh, yeah. He put uh, out the numbers uh, yeah, I, on I Friday afternoon. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, I let I, him know I how I, I felt about it. I don't follow him on social yeah. media, so. I don't, I don't blame you. <laughs> Actually, I missed it, but uh, I did get the update pockets. Tell us how the uh, the event went for you. I went uh, 0 for 1 from the free throw line, and I blew a layup, and that was it. 0 for 1? Yeah. 1 for 2 from the free throw yeah. line, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So I got fouled on a layup, went to the line, missed my first one, made the second one, and then... Do you have refs in trans- this game, or are you yeah, calling yeah. your own? Okay. Well, no, they, they're the, the, the kids are the refs, the seniors, so... Take for that what you made, but it was fun. <laughs> they were the seniors were trash. They were trash. Who yeah, won? Terrible. Oh, the faculty. The faculty's won like every year, other than like one year in the last like ten years. Despite you. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. yeah. Must must have some. I'm not that good at basketball. Like yeah. any... I let him know, like when he put the stats out, I was like, it sounds like it's time to retire. Maybe. Yeah. You know, <laughs> before you before you get that. Uh, one free throw made, one missed, one blown ACL. Mm. You don't want that mm. one. Yeah, Pockets. you don't want it to go that You're fresh. young and limber sure. right now. You, that's not even a thought in your mind. All right. Uh, well, anyway, I wanted to know how that went this weekend. Now we know. Uh, we also know how the NFL playoffs have gone to this point, down to the Final Four. Kansas City does it again, knocks off the Buffalo Bills. Um, I, I see the debate going on who's more to blame. Josh Allen. Or Tyler Bass. Tyler Bass taking it on himself. I feel like like Josh Allen didn't put up massive passing numbers. I feel like 
that Stephon Diggs has turned into a shell of the guy he used to be right Where's, in front of our eyes. Where was that guy like halfway through the year? Halfway through the year when Joe Brady took over, Tony, yeah. his numbers went off the, the deep end. He's like, disappeared. He has completely disappeared. And some of it is in games where he's getting double-digit targets, right? I mean, he's getting the ball thrown his way a lot. He's just not making enough plays. Yeah, yesterday, he had, a bunch he had eight. Yesterday again, yeah. he had eight. But he's had he's had some games down the stretch in the second half of the year. He's had like 12, 14 targets, three, four catches for minimal yardage, yeah. you know, much like it was yesterday. And they're trying to get him involved by handing him the ball or lining him up in the backfield. He had one rush for seven yards. He just very strange and, you know, had a chance to – make the game-changing play. Josh Allen put it on. It, was it a perfect pass? No. It's a fantastic It's throw. a phenomenal throw yeah. from as far as he threw it. Yeah. And, and you see Stephon Diggs jogging back to the huddle with his fingers like three or four inches apart, like just missed it by that much. You did. Yeah. If you're suggesting that Josh Allen needed to put it three to four inches to yeah. one side or the, the other. threw a ball 70 yards in the air. And hit like, you basically in the chest with it. Right. Like, like catch what, it. What do you want from him? But it was weird. You know, there was so much hype around that matchup anyway, right? Kansas City, Buffalo. This is the opportunity for Buffalo to finally get over on the Kansas City Chiefs. They get them in their building. Yeah. Everything that was going into that. And to watch a Buffalo game plan that it felt like we're not going to let Josh Allen make a crucial mistake that's going to cost us an opportunity in this game. And that felt like so much of the game, that's what they were doing. It's just like we're not calling the offense in such a way that he's going to get in the way with the mistake of us having an opportunity to win the game, which is why so much of the Buffalo offense was behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, just but, short screens, dump-offs right. to Cook. He completed, I think I saw the passing chart, 16 passes behind the line of scrimmage. In out, that game out of the yesterday. 26 he completed altogether. Right. He had right. two that were over 10 yards downfield that were completed. And I actually, like, watching the game, I never felt like Josh wasn't playing well. I thought he was playing really well. The touchdown he threw to the corner of the end zone, I mean, that was ridiculous. There's only a handful of people on the planet that can make that throw. He's one of them. Uh, he does get out of control at times and put the ball at risk. There's no doubt about it, but man, the way that whole second half went, I don't, if I'm in Buffalo, I don't even know which way I'd want to go with the blame. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, Khalil Shakir, I thought, made a hell of a catch on that touchdown as well to get his hands under the ball. I mean, it was just a great play all the way around. Sick play. But I mean, look, it's not like, I, I felt like a lot of the game plan for Kansas City was just don't do anything crazy here. We don't have the weapons to go stretch in the field, although MVS showed up on a couple of plays in this game, caught a 30 and a 32 yarder. Right, and that's more production than he's probably had in almost every game this season. Yeah. Right, but Patrick Mahomes only threw it 23 times for 215 yards, which is very conservative by um, their standpoint or from their standpoint. Isaiah Pacheco had a good game. Uh, so anyway, Kansas City moves on. Baltimore looked dominant against Houston. Uh, had no doubt. I was happy with that outcome. Mm-hmm. I, I would take. I just didn't want Houston advance. I didn't need another week of C.J. Stroud hype. No. Um, you know, polluting the timeline or anything else as far as that went. And uh, you don't have to worry about that after 175 yards with no touchdowns this week. Look, I get it. Baltimore's very good. C.J. Stroud had a hell of a year, but uh, that offense flamed out. 
uh, this past yeah, they week. scored three points on offense. Correct. And right. Missed they, the field goal. It's not like they had a bunch of opportunities and missed out on them. They scored a field goal and missed the field goal. That was the production of the Houston offense this week. Uh, San Fran Green Bay was a good game. It was. Enjoyed that. Uh, Tampa Bay gave Detroit a, a decent game for a while, got away from them, and then almost made it a game again late. And now you get that thing where uh, teams get down by eight points and they go for two, right? And uh, mm-hmm. no – Knowing going into that scenario, like I didn't have anything in terms of wagering on the game other than our picks, whatever, you know. Yeah. It was a six and a half point line. Had that been a seven and a half point line, could you imagine? Yeah. You know, like the. Well, I had the about, thought when they were doing it. I was like, oh, this is interesting. Right. But it didn't really impact because it would have, if they kicked the extra points, a seven point game, they're still not covering at that point in time. No, and a two point conversion, they would have been. Oh, if they make the two yeah. point conversion, right. That That's absolutely right. They would have covered in that standpoint but um you know the fact that they missed it like going for it isn't like if the script is Detroit's supposed to cover then you just don't go for it right Mm -hmm. like for all the conspiracy theorists out there which is silly to begin with but uh regardless uh I think we got some pretty good matchups for next week yeah look the divisional round of the playoffs delivers again right like all three of the four games were great right first uh, first one boring it had an okay half in the first one, and then it was pretty clear once the second half began, it's like, okay, Baltimore is back. That's what it felt like coming out of the locker room. They go down the field, they get the touchdown, extend the lead. Houston doesn't answer right away. It's like, now they're in trouble. Like That's what it felt like even watching the game. The other three were so good. I, I have no idea. I've never seen an NFL team in the playoffs lay down the way Tampa did at the end of that game. They throw the interception. They have a timeout, right? They can get the ball back, even if it is just with 15 seconds. We're not really going to have a chance. They'd have to try a field goal to get you the ball back or punt it away to you. They'd have to choose to do one of those two things. I don't think I've ever seen an NFL team just basically say, you know what, we know, no chance here, it's over. Like I, I can't remember an NFL team in that circumstance not using the timeout to at least force Detroit to have to make the decision on whether to try the field goal or punt it away and make you try to go 90. I I just couldn't believe that they didn't try. No, I hear you. Uh, You know, and usually it goes for naught. You're going to lose. Why not grind it out? What do you, you got to catch your plane? But your only chance to win is to call the timeout. Exactly. So, hey, look, uh, I think we ended up with uh, matchups that are pretty strong here regardless I mean Detroit I I don't think for a second anybody thinks Detroit won't give San Francisco all they want Mm -hmm. uh this weekend and I think it's more with KC you're like Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes Travis Kelsey Chris Jones been there done that uh I I think if you stack them up side by side with Baltimore Baltimore's a better team that doesn't mean they're necessarily going to win this weekend so as you watch this from a Jaguar perspective you may wonder what are they missing What do they need to get over that hump to put themselves back in that kind of company? Uh, Today's question of the day presented by Chad and Sandy Real Estate asking you, what's an issue that the Jaguars have to address this offseason that is not being talked about enough? So you can hit us up with your responses to that in a variety of ways. Now, one of those things uh, that we've already gotten, and I anticipated this would be the case, is general manager Trent Baalke. No matter how much you may talk about every moment, you still don't think it's enough, so we're getting a lot of that now. There's been a clip going around of Pete Prisco on the Pick 6 podcast with CBS Sports and where Pete 
made reference to Trent Baalke perhaps stepping down, at, which yeah. surprised host Will Brinson on this. And you'll hear this now. Here's the thing about this. This clip is making the rounds this weekend. This podcast was done 13 days ago. Okay, This is from January 9th, uh, the CBS Sports Pick 6 podcast. It was Will Brinson, John Breach, and they had Prisco on on that day. And by the way, I reached out to Pete to see if he could come on today. He's busy today. He'll join us tomorrow for a segment. And mm-hmm. we'll see if there's any legs to this uh, type situation. But Pete, at one point, they were just talking about the Jaguars offseason and how it had ended and and or how the season had ended and where the blame uh, would go. And Pete was going through a litany of issues they had. And uh, the last one he talked about was the defensive line and basically laying it all at the blame or at the, the feet of the general manager who's involved mm-hmm. in, you know, talent acquisition, which I'm not saying is an improper angle. I just want to set this up because as we listen in, we're not hearing the entirety of the podcast. This is Pete 13 days ago on the Pete, uh, the pick six, the Pete, Pete six podcast, the pick six <laughs> CBS sports podcast being asked about issues with the Jaguars guys over there on a defensive line that get blocked and, and and he's responsible for that. And yet he keeps going and going and going and going. And, and I don't understand it. Now there are rumblings that maybe he's going to walk away, but I don't know if that's true, but we'll trip ball. He's going to walk away. That's, I mean, there's retire. Maybe, I don't know who knows, but I, I don't, I can't imagine I, he leaves that job. All right. So, to be fair, and we'll have Pete on tomorrow, mm-hmm. I feel like Pete had heard something like, hey, you know, are you hearing this, this kind of thing? But it didn't rise to the level of anything close to actually being on the brink of happening, right? No. This is the way I interpret it because he just kind of offhandedly mentions it and you hear Will Brinson immediately go, what, 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 what? what? Like, Balky's going to walk away? Wait a minute, let's not bury the lead here. And then by the end of the clip, Pete is saying, well, I don't think there's – Anyway, he leaves that job, like yeah. voluntarily mm-hmm. leaves that job. So if you're hanging your hat on, hopefully this is new intel that's coming out. Well, first of all, it's 13 days old, right? So if that mm-hmm. was going to happen, would it have happened by now? You'd think that's probably pretty likely. Now, there's also been some talk that because Trent Balky used to work in the league offices, that that could be like, why would anyone – quit a GM job if they're unlikely to get another GM job, right? Make them fire you because, you know, you you get your contract paid out, all these different things. But if there's a job waiting for you, potentially in the league office, that you could slide into. And then you imagine you work for the league in whatever capacity. You know the vitriol of a fan base going, fire this guy every single day, right? right? It's yeah. a, kind of a life for the GM, right? That doesn't mean, even though you know that's, goes with the territory. It doesn't mean you like it. Yeah. Everyone hates wanna... the league office, but they're not saying fire nobody, you. Nobody right. Day. Nobody yeah. picks out a particular person in the league office yeah. and goes, we got to get rid of this guy. It's just more like that the league's Outside out to of get Goodell. us. Goodell takes all those errors. He takes them all, right? Yeah. So uh, you know, and uh, did you even know what Balky did for the league? Like no. I not really, right? So who yeah, it just goes to show you kind of out of sight, out of mind. But I just wanted to put that out because that is making the rounds on social media mm-hmm. right now. I want to let you know we're not unaware of it. You know, I talked with um, both uh, Demetrius Harvey and John Shipley last week. And if things go according to plan, unless something comes up, uh, Demetrius is going to join us in studio tomorrow. And Ship is going to be in with us on Thursday for the entirety of the show because we like to expand out to get different perspectives in the offseason as our regular uh, guest host 
schedule kind of goes by the wayside at this time of year. And I think it was Ship who was telling me he had heard that there may be, like the one thing that could come up is if Balky has a season-ending press conference. Mm-hmm. I think we're down to less than a half dozen GMs that have not had one. So from what I'm understanding, that's still possible to happen at some point this week, although nothing has been official with the Jags or anything of the right. like. If he were stepping down, I wouldn't anticipate he's going to have a press conference. To You know what I mean? Like, let me just kind of slide out the door here, and I don't owe you anything at that point in time. What Would you even want to hear from him at that point in time uh, if you're a Jaguar fan base? Maybe you would, maybe you wouldn't. But regardless, that's all we know. Like, I don't, I haven't heard anything. Uh, you heard Tony, Tony Baselli on this morning with the drill saying, I didn't, I haven't heard that. I haven't been around, heard any of these rumblings that Pete has talked about. Uh, so, not saying that this is likely or unlikely. I'm just saying just be aware of the context. Yeah. This was 13 Not days aware of ago. there being any smoke to evidence that there's any fire. No, but at, at the same yeah. time, Pete did say it. And, you know, Pete's a well-respected Jaguar sure. uh, insider. And uh, so, and again, reach out to Pete. He was unable to work it out with a schedule to come on this morning. He'll join us uh, about 24 hours from now, about mm-hmm. 1020 tomorrow. Um, and uh, so today we do have Hayes Carline, the hammer joining us uh, coming up a little bit later on, and uh, we'll talk off-season issues with him. If you'd like to get in, you can do that in a variety of ways. 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. Same number for the text line designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Hit us up on social media at MD underscore 1010XL, at 1010XL Fat Tony, and at 1010XL Denmark. Hold my pocket! uh, Where apparently you can scroll back through and get a partial box score from the faculty (laughs) student matchup, at least a stat line for one uh, Dylan uh, pockets Denmark there. High pockets. Uh, yes, how we doing? Um, Cloud Walker, uh, they call him sometimes. Blew the layup. Blew the bunny. Blew it. Mm, unbelievable. Did you get hacked? Was it uh, was it an, a bad no call on that particular play? No, nah, I just went transition and went a little too fast with the left hand and just. Oh, you tried to go left hand glass. on it. Yeah. Guy, guy who's got one point in the box score, Tony, decided <laughs> to show off his ambidextrous <laughs> skills on the break right there. <laughs> so, um all right, pockets. Hey, look, I I wouldn't make it uh, from the the uh, the sign-in table, the scores table, into the center jump circle at this point. The <laughs> way I move around these days. So uh, good on you for at least going out there and putting it on the line. So uh, today, what is the issue that needs to be talked about more with the Jags? We can compare uh, what we saw this weekend in the NFL playoffs to what the Jags need to do to get back to that level or to that level. Uh, going forward here, and uh, yeah, uh, Trent Baalke, uh, look, he's going to be a topic of conversation uh, regardless, uh, as long as he's employed here with the Jacksonville Jaguars, as is uh, just about any general manager, quite mm-hmm. frankly, uh, unless uh, you know things are going along swimmingly, and in that case, they're still a topic, just in a more positive vein. So, we're ready to roll, kick off a fresh week, uh, and right now, uh, the way we see it laid out, if without anything uh, interrupting, Demetrius Harvey of the Times Union tomorrow. Johnny O will be in from Jaguars.com on Wednesday. Uh, we'll have John Shipley from Jaguar Report on Thursday and Tom McManus in with us on Friday. Hayes Carline coming up in about 25 minutes. You're talking Jags right here with Tony Smith, Mike Dempsey, Dylan Denmark. This is Jaguars Today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Now more Jaguars Today on 1010XL. All right, uh, just easing into the week here. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith, Dylan Denmark with you. I heard uh, Pross and uh, Hicken talking about this a little bit this morning, Tony. There is a 
little bit of a uh, diverging opinions, like at this present time. A lot's mm-hmm. going to change. Free agency changes your draft plans, obviously, and who knows who's walking away could change your draft plan. Sure. I, I'm sorry. I shouldn't do that. I don't think anyone's walking away. I, no. I, maybe they will, but I don't think so, right? But um, offensive line, wide receiver. We see those as two frequently mentioned uh, spots for the Jaguars for to sure. go in yeah. the first round. Particularly, like, occasionally you see Roma Dunze, the Washington receiver, fold the 17. Now, I personally think he'll be gone uh, mm-hmm. by then, right? He seems to be... A consensus top three guy. Maybe he is the third, right? Marvin Harrison Jr., Malik Neighbors, Roma Dunze, and Keon Coleman, right? It honestly seems like almost every ranking likes him in that order, right? In terms, and so you sometimes see Keon Coleman, the Florida State receiver, mock to the Jags at 17. Occasionally, if a Dunze is available in that projection, he's the pick by the Jaguars Mm -hmm. in that spot. You quite frequently see different offensive linemen. Sometimes it's a, a tackle that people feel can play inside a guard. I'm looking at two uh, recent um, mocks here at CBS Sports uh, from Ryan Wilson and Chris Trapazzo that have come out in the last uh, – last. Uh, they both came out on the 17th, so just five days ago. And they both had the Jags going with Talese Fuaga out of Oregon State. Big offensive lineman. Mm-hmm. Um, look, I mentioned it last week. I think there's a scenario where they let Cam Robinson walk due to salary cap issues and they go draft a right tackle and take some of the money they spent on Cam and get a veteran guard or pair of guards, right? Because obviously, they got to address the interior of the offensive line. Not suggesting they don't, but there are different ways you could approach it. It's the best approach to keep the tackles you have and draft interior and then is the 17th pick a worthwhile place to take that because the value of the position and all this stuff. The other spot, though, uh, on occasion, I see, mm-hmm. and it kind of dovetails with today's question today, what is a concern that maybe isn't being talked about or an issue for the Jags? What about corner back? If you sure. get, a, like, a real lockdown type guy, right? Mm-hmm. Darius Williams going into the final year of his deal, I think, this year, right? Had a mm-hmm. really good season. So is Tyson Campbell. Yeah, which most people project they want to keep Tyson Campbell mm-hmm. around. Um, he's going to want a lot of money, obviously, but I think they will. Ind- look, you don't want to start from scratch with a guy who you know was a high second-round pick. I think they'll endeavor to get something done with Tyson Campbell. But saw one at uh, Sports Illustrated where Terry and Arnold out of Alabama, who most projections have him go over Kool-Aid McKinstry, uh, who – because of the name, a lot of people know exactly, oh, what about Kool-Aid? What about Kool-Aid? And you see him also as a first-round projection, but you see him later in the first round. Terry and Arnold is a guy who I've seen mocked in the top ten, right? So when you go, ah, do we really want a corner at that spot? I mean, corner is still a premier position in For today's sure. NFL. Yeah. And if you can – Get a lockdown guy. Like, I get it. Well, what about the O-line? We, we still got to address that. You got to address a lot of things. Yeah. You know, um, how would you feel if they if picking, they loved a corner at yeah, that spot? Picking at 17 is as much about a position of need as it is about the value of the pick at 17, right? It can't just be what well, we need an offensive line 
we need offensive line help, so we got to take an offensive take lineman. Take the best in the first one round. if he's a third round grade. No, You're not no that do doesn't that. mean he's the value. Right, right. Like that's that's not how you go into an NFL draft, and you get yourself in a lot of trouble if you do handle the NFL draft that way. So if if they're on the board at seventeen, and the guy on the top of their list is a corner, I'm all on board with that. That's fine, right? Like it's not like that's a position of no need for the football team and it's become a premium position in the league because of how premium wide receiver has become in the league. Sure. Right? Like it's those things go hand in hand. So I have no problem if that's the direction they go. If they, you know, drafted a guard, my eyebrows might rise a little bit. I'd be like, "Huh. They must think this guy is the guy, guy." Right? Like a guard at 17 in the draft, that's not something you see very often. Corner at 17 in the draft, you just kind of shrug your shoulders. Okay, this right. is the guy they're, they like. There are going to be five corners in every first round. Yeah. And, and they're not all going to be top 10 picks. They're going to be spread throughout the round. And sometimes there are seven, sometimes there are four, whatever. You yeah. get the idea. There's always multiple There's guys. There's going to be about as many corners as there are wide receivers in typical years. Sometimes you get a guard yeah. uh, drafted higher than that. And look, if you feel great about one of those guys, I don't have a problem with the position. I don't if you think that guy comes in and he's an automatic starter that upgrades your offensive line and you project him to be a dominant player at that position for a long time. Absolutely. And I think taking a guard at 17 because it doesn't happen all that often, right? Like guards don't go basically in the top half of the first round of the NFL draft all that often. Corners do. Wide receivers do. Quarterbacks do. Guys that rush the passer do. Like, those positions are drafted in those areas a lot because of the premium value of those positions. I think if you're taking a guard at that kind of spot that you're saying, we do think this guy is a premium at this position, right? We're not saying we're doing this because it's a need and we need to fill it, and now this guy fills a hole for us. I think you take him because we can see this guy wearing this uniform for 10 years and being a Pro Bowl-level player. Right, but I I don't think that you do that with guard unless you have both where you have the value on the guy at that position at that number and you have the need for it right have to. like yeah. you're, you're not going to be a, a strong interior offensive line team two, drafting a yeah, guard that have two pro bowl level guards aren't even thinking about a guard whereas we round. can sit here and go hey for this year Darius Williams is arguably the second best player on defense right we we have a lot of yeah. faith in Tyson Campbell Trey Hernan played solid at nickel we could convince ourselves that they've got pretty good trio that's a position where you know the cliche of you can never have enough good pass rush you can never have enough good cover guys right and it's true yeah uh to a large degree now you also want to find some of those cover guys later in the draft like yeah. plenty of teams do that's the beauty and the problem you got one pick right now in the first round could you trade back accumulate more maybe but you risk falling out of a tier where there's a more yeah. elite player I mean there, there are a lot of ways you can do it in a typical year in the draft, just whatever team going into the draft, picking in the middle of the first round, if any of them took any wide receiver, corner, pass rusher, if they took any of those positions, you'd be like, yeah, that's right. the we first round the of the draft. Right, right. Yeah. It depends on the player, obviously, but yeah. that, that position is never going to get questioned. But I'll say this, and I agree with Jeff, There is, I think there are camps already building. Like Some people think, oh, we got to get that dynamic playmaker. The dynamic playmaker – is worth more in today's NFL than the guard is, right? Well, it, it's true. If you but if you don't have the guard yeah. and you can't protect long enough, right? But you should, I think, the feeling among that camp is be able to find guard help 
Typically, you can. Later in the draft yeah. or in free agency or something along those lines. Well, let's hope so because the Jags may have the need to find two starting guards this year. Uh, it certainly appears if Brandon Sheriff is not back right now, Ezra Cleveland's not under contract. Uh, you know, maybe Cooper Hodges is one of those guys. Are you going to bet your life on it out of a small school guy who's never played in the National Football League? I'm not. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, yeah. sure, but I, I don't know if you can bet on it uh, as far as that goes. But, um, you know, at the same token, if they do go dynamic wide receiver, they're going to be people in the other camp going, hey, well, that's great. And you can't run the ball better than the 3.7 yard per clip average, and you got to protect your quarterback. So what good is that fancy guy running down the field if yep. Trevor Lawrence is getting sacked after three seconds? I get both arguments, and you only have one pick in the middle of the first round. So you got to do more than just hit on that one pick, obviously, and which brings us back to who's making those decisions. Just well, sign T. Higgins. And- <laughs> I, I'd love it. Uh, you know, here, what are the odds T. Higgins even makes it uh, to free agency? Low. Right. So, you know, we could certainly hear that uh, Cincinnati has locked him up to an extension before free agency ever opens up. For sure. But, yes, let's sign T. Higgins. Mm-hmm. I'm all about it. Let's go get T. Who's the not? The point being, if you can fill one of those holes in free agency, whether it be interior offensive line or wide receiver and – not feel like, well, they have to do this right early on in the draft. If they can address, and they're allowed to address some of those things in free agency to change what you perceive to be the direction they need to go early no on doubt. in the draft. Uh, look, if you got T. Higgins, uh, you know, you can scratch me off the list of people that would even consider a Keon Coleman or a Roma Dunze, I think, at that point in time, depending on what else happens. Now, if you sign Higgins, Ridley walks, Zay Jones walks, Christian Kirk's going into his third year here, mm-hmm. then maybe there is need for more. You know, like, nothing wrong with having, a, you know, a bunch of capable pass catchers, but can you afford to go sign a big-money free agent and spend your lone first-round pick on the same position when you've got other needs to fill? Right. That's why it's part of the puzzle of putting together this team this offseason. Uh, I'll tell you what, if these issues are nails, we've got the hammer coming your way with Hayes Carlion for the first time in 2024, joining Jaguars today to give his perspective on some of the major issues facing this team stretching out into the offseason. If you want to be a part of it, you can get on board at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. You're listening to Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Hey, folks, Mike Dempsey here for Tire Outlet. Are you looking for the best deal on your next set of tires? Why wouldn't you be? Well, Tire Outlet never falls flat. They offer the best selection, the best quality, and, yes, the best prices on tires. You're going to find the right ones for your vehicle. Look, Tire Outlet has over four decades of experience and the convenience of 14 locations around the First Coast and a legendary price match guarantee, meaning you're going to get the best deal on every brand-new set of tires. You can trust your vehicles in great hands. They also have skilled technicians ready to maintain and repair your vehicle to keep it operating at its best. Get it all under one roof. That's Tire Outlet, where you always get wholesale prices and premium service. Let's ring up another guest on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. You can't touch this. Jaguars today on 1010XL. Oh, that's right. For the first time here on Jaguars today in the 2024 calendar year, it is hammer time with Hayes the Hammer Carline from the Frangie Show, one of our 1010XL Jaguar embedded reporters. Hayes, good morning. Happy New Year. How are you? Gentlemen, happy new year. I am great. How are you all? We're doing better now, man, talking to yeah. you. Awesome. 
Mr. Enthusiasm. Mr. I missed you guys. Well, we missed you as well. <laughs> you know, we don't we don't cross paths with Hayes in the hallways very often due to our schedule. So happy to have you on this morning. Hayes, I'm I'm sure you saw this because it's making the rounds. Um, there's a clip of Pete Prisco on a CBS Sports podcast talking about how he's heard a rumor that Trent Baalke could step down. He was a little bit challenged on that, and then he basically ended up going, well, I don't think it's going to happen, right? So, uh, And now this was from 13 days ago, by the way, so it's not new out there. Um, where do you think Trent Baalke stands in the eyes of Shad Khan and how things are going to play out moving forward with this general manager position? I think he's safe. You know, I don't think he should be, but I think he's safe. And I certainly don't think he's retiring. I mean, he's 59 years old and he has the greatest job in the world. He gets paid a bunch of money to deliver really nothing. And, uh, you know, I, I think in looking at it, it's, it's disappointing because you look at the Jaguars and they've been passed by, certainly by Houston. And if I'm an Indianapolis fan, I, I'm not worried about the Jaguars. You just won nine games with Gardner Minshew. And if, that they certainly believe Anthony Richardson's going to be better. I I don't know that he will be, but uh, but they believe that. And you know we'll see. I mean, obviously the Jaguars are ahead of the Titans. They have a lot of work to do, but the Jaguars need to show a sense of urgency here, and that starts with ownership and Shad Khan. But you know, I think the way Shad looks at it is my franchise is on the field, been an embarrassment for the majority of my tenure as owner, and now we've won nine games in the last two years, and that's good enough. So I, I think Trent Baalke is completely safe. And again, I don't know why he, he'd walk away from a job that, you know, pays him well and, you know, is one in, in which he obviously has the confidence of ownership. Underestimate the Jacksonville Jaguars at your own peril, I'll say, to the rest of the AFC South. What is the timeline, do you think, A's, for a defensive coordinator hire? And what is important in the next D.C.? I think the most important thing is it needs to be a coordinator that has experience. I'd prefer it to be somebody that has been a head coach because I think it's always important to have that sounding board for even a, a successful coach like Doug Peterson. And uh, and so to me, it's an experience. Doug needs to get really into the offense. I think he looked at last offseason as, you know, I, I want to focus more on big picture. I want to you know, give Press Taylor more responsibilities so that I can focus on, you know, and, and maybe a lot of that was helping out more on the defensive side or at least keeping an eye on it. I think now with the offense struggling the way they did, averaging 3.6 yards a carry, dropping in points per game from 23.8 to 22.2, he really needs to dive in on that side of the ball and fix the offensive issues that they clearly have, a quarterback that regressed, and so he needs to hire a defensive coordinator that he can hand the keys to, I think, and, and basically say, this is your side of the field and, and, you know, you handle this group and I'm going to give you complete trust and to, and I'm going to back every decision you make. So to me, you would want that to be somebody with some experience that's been in that position. So that's my hope for it in terms of a timeline. I don't think there's any great rush. I mean, you're going to have to have these head jobs filled first and there's still what six of them that are open so uh you know i i think until we see the coaching the head coaching carousel settle and 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 fill up it's going to be hard to make coordinator hires so 
I don't think they're in any great rush. I, I think a hire will probably happen within the next 10 days. Hayes, what, how do you feel uh, that Doug Peterson feels, if you know or if you have a sense, about personnel acquisition and his voice in it? Like, do, do you think at the end of the day, he goes, look, man, we're trying to make, uh, you know, um, chicken salad out of you know what with the offensive line, for instance, or do you think he's content to, you know, basically control what he can control in terms of coaching the raw material that he's been given? I, I think it's more – I don't know that, that Doug has as big a problem with the way that Balky operates as Balky has a problem with the way that, that Doug operates, and particularly in, in the trust in Press Taylor. Um, I think that's a real issue in the building. And and so I, I, I think looking at it, I mean – it seemed like Doug and Trent were working pretty well together in the off season. You didn't get a sense that there, there wasn't collaboration. So I don't, you know, now obviously, and there, there could be, there could be some moving forward uh, since, you know, Brent Strange and Tank Bigsby, you know, just weren't very impactful draft picks. But, uh, but I, I don't get a sense that it's so much coaching. Uh, I think it's, it's more, the front office having an issue with how the team is being coached. How likely or unlikely do you think it is that the team gets a long-term deal done with Josh Allen before the deadline for the franchise tag? It's really, really irresponsible if they don't get it done. Um, but having said that, I, you know, I can't say that my confidence is sky high. Uh, Josh Allen should get a, a lucrative contract. I mean, he should get the the twenty five, twenty eight million a year. I mean, he just gave you seventeen and a half sacks. He's about to enter the prime of his career. Uh, he's 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 been you know certainly a, a a great ambassador. But beyond that, I mean, he's he's proven this year what he can be on the field for the Jaguars. And you're talking about somebody who's you know just twenty seven, not thirty one, and and so. To me, it's a no-brainer. You you have to pay him, and you have to pay him top money, uh, and that's a good problem. He he, it, you know, it, I think a lot of times, you know, we we get wrapped up in well, what does this do? Well, if he's a great player, you pay him. That's just that's how the league. This is professional football. It's the NFL. That's how it works. And uh, but I I can't say I have tremendous confidence that that they'll do that. Um, you know, I I could see. Trent Baalke tagging him and saying, I want to see it again. And, you know, I, I think that would be a mistake. I think it, I think the right message to send and, and the smart, I think football decision to make is uh, to pay Josh Allen. I, I had some concerns about Josh, you know, and, and, and was critical of him when he didn't show up for, for voluntary OTAs. But I mean, that's ancient history. Now you go, you go have the season he just had. I mean, you've got it particularly again, you got to lock lock him up and, and make sure the prime of his career is played here. All right, Hayes, let's say it goes down the way where they don't get something worked out. Because, I, you know, talking to a lot of your cohorts are around the team a lot and down at the building a lot, I, I get the sense that the franchise tag is the way it's going to ultimately end up going uh, with Josh Allen. So let's say they do use the tag on him. What's your approach with Calvin Ridley? Because obviously you don't want to sign him to an extension prior to – the league you're opening because then you have to give up a second round pick. So if you don't have the franchise tag in your back pocket, 
he's going to be able to at least get to unrestricted free agency and at that point going to decide what the offers are like. So how hard are you going after Ridley to bring him back if that's the case? Well, I think you'd like to have him back. I mean, I understand the struggles that he had at times this year, but he still was productive. And I do think that his second year, I think there's something to be said for uh, uh, seeing a, a rise in his play. And so I would want to bring Calvin Ridley back. It's, you know, that's, that's not the reason that I would want to re-sign Josh Allen, but it plays a factor because to your point, then you can use the tag on Calvin and try and work out a, a deal over the summer like they did with Evan Ingram last year. So, but if, if the tag is not an option and they use it on Josh Allen, then you have to let Calvin Ridley test the market and, you know, see what ends up happening and, you know, try to try to make something work. But obviously we know the probability is very low once players hit the market and 31 other clubs are out there. Uh, you know, it, it, it's tough to, to make that deal happen. But, you know, that would be my expectation is if they have to use the tag on Josh Allen, then Calvin Ridley will be a free agent. Hayes, we just saw Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert both get extensions this past offseason. We thought maybe Trevor Lawrence would be the next in line after year three of his rookie contract to get that extension. Would you want to get that extension done with Trevor Lawrence this offseason, or are you waiting until after year four? Only if he was willing and his people were willing to do a, a team-friendly deal. You know, if they're, if they're willing to do that, and I doubt they are, but if, if they were willing to do that, then I'd be interested in it. But, you know, if he's going to ask for the sun and moon and stars, then no, I, I haven't seen enough yet. And there certainly was offensive regression. I don't think that that's all Trevor Lawrence's fault, but certainly he, he has some culpability in it. And so, yeah, I don't think you can give him that deal. Um, now, again, if he wants to sign a deal that pays him, you know, somewhere in, in top seven money, then I'd have that conversation. But, uh, but no, I don't think the team should be in any, any hurry to give him Herbert or Hertz money. Uh, what do you think they're going to do in terms of the offensive line, Hayes? What, what would your approach be? Like, who, who are you bringing back? And then – are you looking to go the veteran route to fill some holes, or is this draft capital understanding, you know, you only have so many picks. Uh, what's your plan to improve the O-line? Yeah, it would start, I'd cut Cam Robinson and Brandon Sheriff and, and pocket that, you know, $27 million in, in cap savings. And, and obviously, to your point, that opens up, you know, holes. So I'd, I'd move Harrison to left tackle. I'd have Walker Little play right tackle. Uh, I'd have to be in the market for a right guard, whether that's free agency or, or the draft. Uh, center is a real concern. So whether that's a free agent to replace Fortner or, you know, a, a, I mean, I guess you could go as high as first round. I, I wouldn't probably take a center at 17, um, but I would understand it if they did. Uh, but I, I think you can probably fill that second, third round if, if you can't get it addressed in free agency. Uh, so that that would be the I, I think it's very fixable, but that would be the the top priority is uh, is is reevaluating that offensive line and certainly upgrading it at center, uh, finding a, a capable younger player at right guard, and then uh, you know uh, I, Ezra Cleveland I think will be resigned and be the left guard. Well, he, you know right now he isn't. Um, if you go in. 
with that hole into the draft. How are you feeling about the potential of drafting an interior offensive line, not a center? Because it doesn't seem to be a center by the consensus rankings that's going to be anywhere near a first-round value this year. Um, so what if you find one of these guys, either a tackle who folks think can play guard or just a guard itself, how do you feel about that position, say, versus wide receiver if uh, you haven't you know, filled those spots entirely? Yeah, I think re- receiver could certainly be in play at 17 because I think the value is going to meet more there in all likelihood than at other spots. So, you know, and again, we, you know, obviously Calvin Ridley, that's up in the air. I think you have to have a, a conversation about Zay Jones. They can save four and a half million dollars by releasing him. Uh, he's he's obviously a, a above average receiver and a great person, uh, but you know you have to have conversations about durability now, and and he's getting up there. So if you can save four and a half million in releasing him, you know you might want to go that route. But then obviously receiver is going to become more of an issue. So uh, even if you keep Calvin, if you keep Calvin and have Christian Kirk, you know, investing uh, the 17th pick in a receiver, you know, a player like Keon Coleman out of Florida State would make a lot of sense uh, at that position. But there's others as well. So I, I, I could easily see it being to start the draft receiver, interior offensive lineman in the second round and interior defensive line, you know, in the third. I mean, to me, that's, uh, that would make a lot of sense. That could change, obviously, depending on free agency, but I think that's a good starting plan for uh, the Jaguars' brain trust as they approach this. Hey, so we got to hear your thoughts on Josh Allen and Calvin Ridley and how you think those situations are going to work out. You you talked about Trevor Lawrence and you know the contract for him. Do you expect there to be any movement during this offseason as far as deals with Tyson Campbell, Andre Sisco, or anyone else that we were talking about last offseason, knowing that this was the first time they could talk to some of these guys about an extension? I don't think so. I, I think at this point I'm going to – see how it plays out I mean I, I'm confident in them but I, I again the, the a lot of times to do these deals you have to pay players at a premium and and so again if Tyson Campbell Andre Cisco wanted to take you know what I would consider to be a fair deal then I would I would think about it but I might I would think after the seasons that they both just had uh, I, I would think you you play it out and and reevaluate it in the year yeah, let me, as we wrap up, a lot of people said, oh, you should have signed Josh Allen this time last year. Of course, Josh Allen this time last year had had one du- double-digit sack season in his career, Hayes, and it had been in his rookie campaign. So, you know, you look at these guys, are we going to be sitting here going, oh, Tyson Campbell had a six, seven interception season, should have paid him last year. D- do you feel like the Jags should have been more aggressive in trying to get Josh Allen signed last offseason? Or do you think it was reasonable that they said, well, let's wait and see based on what his track record of production was, depending on what he was looking for? I think it was reasonable. I, I don't have a problem with how the Jaguars, uh, Trent Baalke and, and Doug Peterson approached Josh Allen. Uh, as, it, as it turned out, you know, now you, you do need to pay him. But again, that's a good problem because he gave you a, such a phenomenal season. It, it's unfortunate that that didn't result and more team success, but that's not Josh Allen's fault. Uh, and so, no, I think they played that one the right way. And, uh, and I take a similar approach with Campbell and Cisco, but I would pay Josh Allen now. I mean, now I think it's, 
borderline idiotic to say, nope, we're going to tag him and, you know, basically poison our relationship with him after he, and, and, and really poison our relationship with a lot of the locker room. Uh, and I just, I just think it's such a terrible message. And, uh, you know, I think he's earned it. And, you know, again, I think Trent Baalke hasn't done a great job, but there's some things that he's done well. You know, uh, the Jaguars have under a million in dead money on the cap. That's phenomenal. Um, there's a lot of clubs that have tons of it. So, and, and again, I think the way he handled Josh Allen was the right way to not pay him. Uh, to your point, his rookie season had been his best. But now at this point, need to pay him. Um, do you know what the number is in terms of cap space? Because every source I look at has a different number. I usually use spot rack, and I think they've got the Jaguars with about $26.5 million to work with, which is like 19th in the league, um, which is a decent spot to be in. There's eight teams that are over the cap, so the Jaguars certainly aren't in that club. The problem is, again, now this division, which looks like it might be handed to the Jaguars on a silver platter for the next four years, uh, is, is much more competitive, and you've got Tennessee, Houston, and Indianapolis are like two, three, and four in cap space available. So the Jaguars do have some caps to, to work with. But the problem is the three teams in their division have a ton of it. And, uh, and that would be greatly concerning to me. Yeah, at, at the moment, Spot Track lists them at 17 and a half, the Jags, in terms of cap space available. So, uh, I mean, this it's been all over this offseason because I'm like you. I usually go there, but. You know, over the cap, there are different sources, and they have all kind of conflicted. Um, DeRocco's ESPN uh, source, everything was off, and I, I just wish there was one definitive listing out there because we're all kind of guessing a little bit in terms of what they've got available to them. But uh, you know what? Uh, we'll see how it plays out in the weeks ahead. Uh, Hayes, we appreciate the visit and encourage folks to give you a listen, of course, on the Frangie Show and uh, on social media uh, as well. Hayes underscore Carlion, I believe, is where you're at on uh, on the old uh, Twitter. No, just Hayes Carline. No underscore in there. My bad, Hayes. I should have hey, known that. I not known a problem that. at all. I, I appreciate it, and it's always a pleasure joining you guys. All right, buddy. We appreciate it as well. There he goes. Hayes Carline on the All-Pro Roofing Hotline uh, for you there with some of his opinions on what the Jags uh, need to do right now and as the offseason season plays out. We'll discuss more about what Hayes had to say and welcome your calls if you want to get in at 641-1010 on the All-Pro Roofing phone line. Straight ahead on Jaguars today on 1010XL 92.5 FM. To know about the Jags, Jaguars today on 1010XL. The Jaguars need to show a sense of urgency here and that starts with ownership and Shad Khan. But, you know, I think the way Shad looks at it is my franchise is on the field been an embarrassment for the majority of my tenure as owner and now we've won nine games in the last two years and that's good enough so i, I think trent balky is completely safe and again i don't know why he'd, he'd walk away from a job that you know pays him well and you know is one in, in which he obviously has the confidence of ownership that's Hayes Carline a few moments ago, the Hammer joining us here on Jaguars today, uh, giving his opinion on kind of the outlook of Shad Khan in relation to Trent Baalke, the Jaguars general manager. And I, I don't think any of us know exactly what that thought is. And where Hayes says, you know, Shad is thinking that's good enough. I, I don't, 
maybe that's the case, okay? Or maybe it's a case where he says, and again, I don't know, but I'm because we're all kind of guessing along what Shad Khan's thought process is in this whole thing, where so many people would like to move on from the general manager, which I don't think is an uncommon feeling around the National Football League when you reach a point where you go backwards from what your expectations were at the very least for this season with the Jags. But does he think it's just good enough to win nine games every year, whether you make the playoffs or not? Or does he think potentially, and again, this is a hypothetical, does he think that, well, based on having the number one pick in back-to-back years, for the next two years, winning 18 regular season games is good enough to not make that kind of a change today. You know, when you say it's good enough, I think it sounds to me like you're saying the owner thinks, well, if you win nine games every year, that's just good enough, period. For now, I can get that argument from his point of view. Look, we've said it a million times, Tony. We would change the general manager. Yeah. We would have changed things a lot over many past off seasons. But I can understand, at least, if you've got an owner who's had miserable success putting together a winning product Mm -hmm. over his tenure in ownership to have back-to-back winning seasons and go, okay, it may not be good enough, but for right now it's also not good enough reason for me to blow it up entirely at this point in time. Yes, was this season a disappointment? It was. But do you blow up your front office every time you fail to achieve exactly what you thought you were capable of doing? And, again, I I don't know that Shad is thinking this way. I just when I hear Hayes say, you know, Shad thinks it's good enough. It, it, there's evidence for that because he hasn't made a move, but there's a difference between saying that's good enough and that's good enough for now. You know, as if to say, I'm going to give it one more year, and if things don't improve drastically, we're going to make some changes. I, I don't know if that's how he's thinking, or maybe he is content and he's like, hey, we got a winning product. I I can't see how he would be content with the discontent in the fan base and the poor performance at home. Right. Which that, to me, as much as anything, is going to impact your bottom line. If you had a great experience going to the stadium this year and you're winning all these games or you're in some thrillers or what have you and you're you're getting a similar performance, it's going to be tough to replicate what they did in 2022 at home. But if you're getting something that gets the fan base energized, okay, this is one right here where, you know, you're, you're – uh, According to a lot of folks out there, the season ticket prices are going up. Sure. You perform poorly at home. You didn't live up to expectations. Um, at best, uh, I, I think the more positive people are like, well, okay, I understand why you didn't blow it up, but it better not go much further than this. Yeah, I, I think it's fair when you're looking at the state of teams across the league right now. The gold standard right now is the Kansas City Chiefs. Right, Patrick Mahomes has been the starting quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs. This is his sixth season as the starter for the Chiefs. He's been to the AFC Championship game every year of his career. He's played in three Super Bowls, won two of them. Right, That's the gold standard right now in the NFL. Everyone's being compared to that level of success. No one else is even close. Right, like No other team in the league right now is even close to the level of success that the Kansas City Chiefs are having. San Francisco would probably be number two on that list because they keep getting to the NFC Championship game. Right, like That's the second biggest success story in the NFL. So there are 
things that you're reaching towards and you may not be reaching them. And I can understand frustration within the fan base saying, going into this season specifically, I thought this was the year where we were going to catch up with them. Right? Or like, at least dominate the lesser teams in right. this division. I thought week two that they had a real chance to beat them, and you did. Right? Like that's a game that you go back, you can play it over in your head over and over and find the five different ways they could have won that game that day against the Kansas City Chiefs and Mahomes here in town, right? But they didn't. And then everything else happened within the season. So look, I can understand fans being frustrated. What do we have to change to get there? Right? Like, what do we have to change to get there? I thought we had gotten the quarterback. Is he really? I understand the fans that are asking, is he really the guy that we thought he was going to be? Like, I, it's year three, guys, right? Like, it, players are allowed to get better as they go throughout their career. It doesn't make this season any less frustrating. And I can also understand from an owner who had been around for all the rest of it for the last 15 years, looking at it and saying, look, we've won nine games in back-to-back years. I don't think this is the the time that I need to blow everything up, right? Like, I... I happen to agree with him. I don't think that he needs to blow everything up. I'd be content, happy with them changing the general manager, but it was a general manager I didn't want, right? Like, I wasn't on board with Balky being named the GM when they named him the GM. I didn't like that decision. It worked out for a year, right? And they got to the top. We'll see what it looks like because it's pretty clear at this point, 2024, Trent Baalke's going to be the GM. And if they have to figure out different things, the way that it needs to work within the building for him and Peterson to get on the same page about everything that needs to be on the same page and get this thing pushing forward, because I do think there's the opportunity with the pieces they have in place to succeed at a really high level. I think Trevor Lawrence gives you that opportunity. What are you doing to take advantage of that opportunity it's only around for so long. So I can understand wanting to get rid of the GM. I'm with you. Get rid of the GM, and let's see what the next guy can do with it. But that's not the direction they're going to go with it. And that's I'm with you. I don't think that – I think we would have heard more than just faint whispers of change if that were actually the case. Yeah. Maybe I'll be surprised, but I don't expect it at this point. And we'll see if some of the whispers we heard about Trent Baalke maybe having a season wrap-up press conference in the offing uh, come true at some point this week. At least that's been uh, mentioned to me as a possibility. Nothing from the Jags uh, side on that. So if if it does get scheduled, obviously we'll pass that along. We'll probably carry it live right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. All right, we'll come back and we'll take a look at what some of your responses have been in terms of the issues facing the Jags that have not been drawing a lot of conversation to this point. Some of those are just like, we're not talking enough about Balky as long as he's um, still here. And that's fine up to a point. Like, you know, we come June, are we still going to go, got to fire the GM? Yeah. I mean, like at that point, all the heavy lifting is going to be done. I get you're not sat, or a lot of folks are not satisfied with the current situation. Yeah. But if they stay with him, they still have business to attend to this offseason. They still are, are they going to get Josh Allen signed to a long-term deal? Are they going to franchise tag he or Calvin Ridley? What's going to happen with Trevor? What are they going to do in the draft? What are they going to do in free agency? Will Cam Robinson be back? What other salary cap casualties might there be on this roster? There's For a ton sure. yeah. that needs to be addressed no matter who the GM turns out to be. All right, put so, a 53-man roster together and get ready for another run. At this absolutely. Um, all right, uh, 641-1010 if you want to be a part of the conversation here on the All-Pro Roofing phone lines. We'll continue along on Jaguars today on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. Jaguars today on 1010XL. 
All right, we'll go around the league here uh, momentarily. Mike Dempsey, Tony Smith. Uh, Jags need, this is on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. Jags need a Super Bowl-winning defensive coordinator, not just a defensive coordinator. There's a difference. Okay, do you need one who's capable of winning a Super Bowl, or do you need one who has won a Super Bowl? Yeah. Because... How many of them are out there? How many are available? That's what I was kind of just looking through right now. Spagnola is still in Kansas City, and he's won two of the last four. Uh, Raheem Mostert is still employed by the Rams and getting head coaching interview jobs. They're the ones who won, uh, what was the Super Bowl 56, was it? Um, the Bucks had Todd Bowles. He's now their head coach. Um, try, who was the Patriots? In 2019, it wasn't Patricia. I, I just looked at something on the coaching staff and didn't list the defensive coordinator. Could Belichick have done double duty? Yeah, maybe. It's possible. Uh, I'm not sure who that is. Point being, not many of those guys are sitting around out there that have won a Super Bowl that, uh, you know, are available. Well, yeah. And and you have to ask if that guy is available, why is he available? Mm-hmm. Has it been a number of years since he coached or whatever the, the case may be? So, um, you know, we, we'd all, I'd like to have, uh, you know, Super Bowl winners across the board on the coaching staff. Guys yeah. that have proven they could do it at the highest level. Uh, Philadelphia didn't screw up by hiring Doug Peterson just because he had never won a Super Bowl as a coach. When he got hired there, he won a Super Bowl as a coach. Right? Correct. <laughs> right. Like at some point, guys that win Super Bowls win Super Bowls. And yeah, that helps you, I would imagine, uh, going forward in your career as it should it's fair that that helps you in your career coaching football if you've got that Super Bowl experience, but it's not the only thing that says that you can win a Super Bowl is having won a Super Bowl. People right. win Super Bowls for the first time all the time. D- does Wink Martindale have – I honestly don't – does he have a Super Bowl I ring don't know. Anywhere? I, I don't think he does. I don't but, think so. Um, you know, he's been a successful defensive coordinator. Yeah. Uh, oh, and yeah. You know, I, I like I get it. We want the best of the best if you can get it. But I don't know how many of those guys are just floating around out there. How deep is that pool? And you're probably not the only team that's uh, competing for them. No. Um, the Wink, Wink Martindale on Wiki gave me the game show host was uh, <laughs> was the first one. So that that's the one I've always uh, uh-huh. thought of coming up. But the Don Wink Martindale side. Let's see. He was defense coordinator. Uh, with the Giants most recently, obviously didn't win. Ravens have not won recently enough where he was defense coordinator. No. He was a Broncos D, D coordinator in 2010. I don't believe they won it. They that, did not. That, right. No. What's, I don't remember what the year was. It was about seven years ago or so that they won um, over Carolina. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> Look at his stats, by the way, from that first year as a D.C. there uh-huh. in Denver in 2010. 32nd in yards, 32nd in points. Well, probably year. why he didn't become a DC again for eight years. Yeah. Right. I mean, and you know, but he turned into what by most accounts was a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm not saying he's got to be the, the choice here. There's plenty of qualified choices here. Absolutely. The point yeah. being like, if, if that's your bar, then you're probably going to be disappointed. Yeah. Right? I don't even know who the candidates are for you at this point. Right. You know, uh, yeah. had Spagnuolo won, maybe he had, uh, how many is Super Bowl rings does he have I'm not sure either way he's yeah. been with Andy Reid for quite a while yeah. now and it doesn't look like he's shaking loose for a lateral move no anytime soon um 
All right, let's uh, speaking of moves, we'll find out what teams are doing around the National Football League. Tony will give you a brief tour. Now, gems around the NFL. Brought to you by Beaches Jewelry and Pawn in Jack's Beach. The matchups and kickoff times for the conference championship games have been set. The Kansas City Chiefs are the defending Super Bowl champions and will be playing in the AFC championship game for the sixth consecutive year. They will be in Baltimore to play the Ravens at 3 o'clock Sunday on CBS. The Ravens have advanced to the AFC championship game for the first time since 2012 when they won Super Bowl 47 over the San Francisco 49ers. In the NFC Championship game, the Detroit Lions will be playing in just their second conference title game in franchise history, with the last happening in 1991, which until last week was also the same season in which they had last won a playoff game. They will play at the San Francisco 49ers, 6.30 on Sunday on Fox. The 49ers will be playing in the NFC Championship game for the third straight year, losing the last two, and for the fourth time in the last five seasons, they played in Super Bowl 54 after the 2019 season, losing to the Kansas City Chiefs. 49ers wide receiver Debo Samuel is undergoing further testing on the shoulder injury he suffered during the team's divisional round win over Green Bay on Saturday. Some reports indicate that it is 50-50 at this point whether or not he'll be able to play this weekend, Kansas City offensive lineman Joe Tooney is getting an MRI today to determine the extent of a pectoral injury that he suffered against Buffalo. The Detroit Lions have signed tight end Zach Ertz to their practice squad with some indications that they could even have him activated by this Sunday for the NFC Championship game. And the Philadelphia Eagles have fired defensive coordinator Sean Desai. He was demoted during the season with Matt Patricia taking over play-calling duties for the Eagles late in the year. All right, thank you, Tony. Uh, somebody on text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosure, said uh, it was uh, Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo who basically uh, tag-teamed the defense coordinator position with nobody being named the D.C. That seems right. There was some. There have been some shenanigans. So you look at the coaching staff that year for the Patriots, and you look at a list of all the coaches, there's no defense coordinator listed. Yeah. And uh, they had Mayo and Belichick, uh, the lesser, uh, both on that. <laughs> Nepo baby. Uh, both on – for all I know, Steve Belichick's a hell of a coach, but uh, in my mind, uh, you know, probably benefited from the last name as much as anything. Doesn't hurt. Hard I'm to break sure. through. Yeah. I think in uh, coaching circles sometimes. But uh, regard the point being – there's just not this list of, hey, former Super Bowl winning defense coordinators to choose from yeah. out there. And if there were, uh, every team would be fighting over them every year if, you know, they felt. And, and then you'd have to ask, well, why are they unemployed as well? You know, I mean, there's so many things that, that go into it. I get it. You want a guy that you're not breaking in as a first timer. It doesn't appear that they're going the first timer route. Uh, they requested or interviewed a number of guys with varying levels of experience um, on the defensive side of things. So uh, we'll see how uh, it all ends up, and hopefully sooner rather than later we start to get this coaching staff filled out mm -hmm. a little bit. Six four one ten ten. John on the west side going to jump on Jaguars today this morning. Good morning, John. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. How was your all weekend? Uh, it was okay. How about you? Uh, pretty good. It's just it, Watching these teams play just makes you realize, like, oh, my gosh. We are so far behind, but uh, if in a perfect world we could fire Balky, who do you think would be a good replacement for him? And I, I'll take your comment off the air. Thanks for taking my call. All right, appreciate it. Look, I first of all, I think it's you know we're kind of wasting our breath a little bit talking about it, and I quite frankly don't have a list of 
Like, everybody got excited about Adrian Wilson last time, right? Simply because he was different, and he seemed to have this rapport with Byron Leftwich when it looked like it may be going down that road. And, you know, I, I really couldn't tell. I don't know who that up-and-comer is. I, I would hope it wouldn't be Ethan Waugh, who has worked with Balky and has been on the Jaguar staff now, mm-hmm. um, that they'd have a completely fresh set of eyes. But I, I think it's kind of a moot point. I Like, I, I'll tell you, I don't have this list of candidates ready to go that I know who would be the next best upcoming GM. And I think that's the case for a lot of folks in the NFL media, quite frankly. But um, I think people are happy to try something different if they don't feel like what's going on now is working. But uh, I couldn't tell you who the next GM would be. I think for most Jaguar fans who want to change, anybody but Balky would suffice. But it, it does bring up the point. That doesn't mean the next guy is going to be any good at it. Tony, GMs get fired all the time yeah. around the National Football League. So we just assume the next guy coming in is going to be good. And I think for the ones who want to fire Balky, they're like, look, I'm willing to take that chance. And I understand that. And I am too, for that matter. Um, you can get a search firm. You can get, you know, you can go to somebody you trust. That's the problem. Who does Shad Khan trust? Can't rely on Rick Spielman. He's advising the Washington Commanders. Can't rely on Tom Kaufman. He's apparently advising Antonio Pierce and the Las Vegas Raiders right now and filling out their coaching staff. And and you may say, I don't want to rely on that guy anyway. Whatever. The the point being, I don't know who, if Shad Khan has any idea who to even turn to to create that list for candidates. Yeah, we had that conversation when they were firing Urban, and it was clear that that's going to be the direction they went. I don't know what he's going to do at GM. I don't know how many guys he knows that he would want to hand the reins over to. So when Trent stuck, it was like, okay, like he hired, he trusted him enough to hire him, right? <laughs> like that's I, – I don't know what the answers for Shaq Khan are outside of the building, and I, I don't have a list of general manager candidates in my, in my mind. I feel like I've seen enough of Trent Baalke to feel like, no, it's not going to work. I just don't think it's going to work. I'm not sure that the next guy they hire would work, but I've seen enough of Trent Baalke to have made up my mind on what I think of Trent Baalke as the general manager of the Jaguars, and that's not uncommon in the league for a guy to get three, four, five years, and then you say, nope. Like, at some point, Buffalo's going to have to make a decision on McDermott. Is that enough? Is what he's giving them enough, and they're achieving at a pretty high level. About do they – let him go and make a run at Belichick. And, right. And the question is, if Belichick is this shoe-in to get the Atlanta job, right? why hasn't he taken it yet? Has it been offered it to You know, has have they Something offered a job? Out there, yeah. Or is he sitting there going, okay, I got this in my back pocket, and let's see, because I'm coaching, because well, yeah. I need to get those next 15 wins to tie Shula or to beat Shula, whatever. Well, when the whole Belichick thing broke that he was being let go, there may be a team that currently has a coach that is still interested in a lot of people thought that was Dallas. Right, but why couldn't that be it Buffalo? Could, uh, absolutely you know? could be. Like, I don't know. But then again, if you're Buffalo, do you know that the current iteration of Bill Belichick is an upgrade over what has he done post-Tom Brady that leads you to believe he's going to put together this, sure. this crack staff and get the best out of everybody? Now, you can also say, who did he have a quarterback for the last few years? But part of that's on him because he's had control of personnel. Is he going to want that? In Buffalo, like he might be able to get that in Atlanta. I don't know um, with some of these things, but uh, it's certainly uh, being discussed. Let's put it that way. 
in league circles mm-hmm. right now. Uh, and that doesn't mean that there's any actual truth to it. It's just something that's intriguing people at the moment. For and sure. it is a little interesting that Antonio Pierce looks like the one guy we know that's going to coach one of these openings right now. It looks like they will uh, remove the interim tag and bring him back. Mm-hmm. in Vegas. All right, let's come back on the other side and let's take a look at today's question of the day about topics that are not being discussed as much as they need to. And we'll weigh in with some of our own as well and uh, set up the rest of the broadcast week. We think it's going to be one that you enjoy here on Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM. This is Jaguars today on 1010XL. All right, coming down the stretch here on Jaguars today, I got a new sponsor for today's 1010 Take uh, Pockets. And today's question of the day, we'll use the 1010 Take to answer uh, which is a an issue for the Jaguars. What is an issue for the Jags that they have to address this offseason that's not being talked about enough? 1010 10, 10. Take. Now, Mike Dempsey's 1010 Take. Brought to you by Leonard Truck Accessories and Trailers. All right, Leonard Truck Accessories and Trailers. Welcome aboard. As uh, I'll say, I'm not saying this is the biggest one out there, Tony, mm-hmm. but this this is one that we haven't really talked much about at all. Is Jamal Agnew's place in this whole circumstance? Sure. Right. Like, felt really good about the punting. Mostly, we felt good about the place kicking at many times through the last couple of years, right? And and sometimes, not not always, but it feels like you can always find a kicker. Like, when we got Josh Lambeau in, he was a reject from the Chargers. He was fantastic for us, right? Jason Myers was a reject from us. He's gone on to become a pro bowler. That's kind of the nature of kickers. There are always two or three floating around out there that may be the answer your problem. I don't think that's the case with a game-changing returner who can do both kickoff and punt returns. And for this team was probably their fourth receiver, right, for most of the last two years. And so he has an impact on game day in more ways than one. If you don't have Agnew back and Ridley does test free agency because he had to go the franchise tag route with Josh Allen, and maybe they do look at Zay Jones as a cap casualty consideration you got to rebuild your entire wide receiver room in addition to finding your return guy and so Agnew's just one piece of that I'm not saying he's more important than the decision of what you do with Ridley and what you do to ultimately replace Ridley on the roster if he's not back it's not as important as that but we've talked about that a good bit now I do think that is something that uh for me I'm going to be watching very eagerly to see how they answer that. Hopefully it's, hey, look, I'd love for Jamal Agnew to be back on a two-year deal. That would be fantastic. And I don't mind him as the fourth receiver or potentially as the fourth receiver with maybe a Parker Washington or Elijah Cooks or somebody like that developing to the point where they make him even less consequential. But he's very consequential on special teams. Yeah, I think I would – you know, you mentioned kicker there, and that is something we got a lot from the fans today, and it makes it makes sense because we're not to, talking about that much either, yeah. right? Like we're they're going to have to figure that out. It, it the McManus thing looked like it was great for the first half of the year, and like everything else with the team fell apart uh, in the second half of the year. I would also say, what are they going to do with the three guys that are playing in between Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen? going into this next season. Is Devon Hamilton going to be the guy that they thought they were getting when they signed him to that extension? Right? 
it it's not that he's so expensive that you're like, what the heck were you doing? It it looks that way in light of what happened this year, right, with Devon Hamilton. And if they get the guy they thought they were getting on the extension, fine, right? But that's a whole year that's basically lost. Correct. Of Devon Hamilton. Foley Fadakasi is what he is, right? And when they signed him from the Jets, he was a guy that gave you a little bit from the interior as a pass rusher, but he was great against the run and felt like he could be that guy. He'd be the fire hydrant in the middle of that defense, right? Just sit him there. He's going to take up two guys. I haven't seen that through two years of Foley. They signed Roy Robertson Harris to his extension last year as well with how great he was down the stretch last year. And they're like, they're betting that that's who he is, right? That's what he's going to be going forward. And he's a good player, but he's not anything special. So you have two guys on the outside that I think can get the job done. Doesn't mean you don't still need to address that and add to that room, right? And I'm not saying that they don't, but the interior of that defensive line, Roy Robertson, Harris, Devon Hamilton, Foley, Fadakasi, we just saw it. That's not good enough. Right, and that that is massively disappointing because they have invested there. They spent money there. They yeah. Right, it's not like they said, oh, well, let's ignore this position. They have sunk a lot of money in there. And maybe if Devon Hamilton doesn't have a freak medical situation, then maybe he's fine. And maybe that's what they're going to have to count on coming back because you can't plug every hole necessarily in one offseason, at least what as many as it seems like the Jags have. Uh, DJ Delphonic on the text line, designed by Lifetime Enclosures. I remember Shad saying he didn't feel like he needed an executive vice president because he saw – how uh, Balky and Peterson worked well together. I wonder if he feels the same. I think that's a very fair question. Sure. Right? Uh, where we've heard rumblings that Balky's not happy with Press Taylor, right? That this was an issue being discussed in the front office. Well, I don't personally think that the GM should be constructing the staff below the head coach. Whether he has say on the head coach is up to the, the owner, owner of or the whoever team. is allowing that decision correct to be made. right yeah. or the EVP or whatever and yeah. I've also though you know heard that Doug Peterson wants more say in personnel so is it fair to say maybe they're not on the same page yeah I think to some degree now they're going to tell you every decision we make is a Jaguar decision we go through this process and blah 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 well last year yeah, in happier times <laughs> you had uh, Doug and Balky both getting up there and by this point or you know we'd long since heard from them in terms of how the season went because everyone's feeling good. Ah, how you like me now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, let's see. Uh, Trent Balky rumored to maybe speak with the media this week. Don't know if that'll come to pass or not. Um, if it does, I hope it is on Wednesday because we've got Demetrius Harvey joining us tomorrow <laughs> right. from the yeah. Florida Times Union. We don't want to mess up our schedule. Yeah. And uh, we love Big Meech around these parts. And uh, he'll join us and give his thoughts on – what the Jags need to do this offseason. Also, Pete Prisco is scheduled to join us tomorrow. And again, going back, we talked about it right at the outset of the show. Pete made some comments on the CBS Pick 6 podcast that he heard Balky may step down. Now, this these comments were made two weeks ago, so nothing has happened. And Pete even went on to say within the span of about 30 seconds, I don't think that's happening. Yeah. So, But we addressed it, and we wanted uh, Pete to be able to join us uh, live and, and talk about that. So that'll be tomorrow. John Osher on Wednesday, uh, and then we'll have John Shipley join us from Jaguar Report. And, uh, you know, we totally understand the circumstances going on with all those Sports Illustrated folks, and we wish the best for Ship. Uh, Right now, he's kind of, I believe, at the moment, kind of status quo, but we can talk about that a little bit more 
you know, want to get into his take on where the Jags go. Not only what they should do, but what they will do mm-hmm. this offseason as much as anything. Uh, some of the answers we got today, a lot of bulky, right, not being talked about enough. And that's fine. If you feel that that's the number one thing, if we're not talking about it every second, some people feel like we're not talking about it enough, right? Offense coordinator, Press Taylor, a lot of that as well. Um, you know, I, I feel like we've talked about it a good bit. You reach a point where it doesn't seem like change is coming. Yeah. So a lot of times we'll move on to the next thing and because we can beat our head against the wall all off season, and it doesn't look – I mean, these decisions look like they've been made, at least on those particular fronts. Kicker, Agnew, wide receiver one. Um, I heard this from several people. Need more edge. Let's put it that way. Or as one guy said, need some more a-holes on this team, okay? <laughs> uh, you know, too many nice guys. Yeah, need more dogs. Uh, yeah. Right. Like, I don't think you have – like, I look at KC. Does Kansas City have – maybe they do. Who, who's the that guy on the Chiefs? Now, maybe they have a few dogs. You say, oh, Chris Jones is a dog. Well, maybe he is, but that doesn't necessarily make him a, an, you know, a jerk. You know, this person's saying we got too many nice guys, and that's fine. I, look, mm-hmm. we're asking you. Got a lot of people talking about physicality, how soft this team is, um, teams with – Big sal- or players with big salary cap numbers, uh, all kinds of stuff. So we'll get into some of these tomorrow with Demetrius Harvey mm-hmm. and see if he's got any answers or at least any um, response to how he thinks the team is going to address some of these questions going forward in the 2024 offseason. But right now, it's time to welcome in XL Primetime. Now, the two-minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers, equal opportunity employer. All right, Joe C. rocking that white uh, 1010XL pullover. <laughs> this is honestly one of our best uh, It's gifts. a very nice one. I, yeah. I got a stain on it. mine already. I don't know what I spilled on it. Uh, I dropped uh, a wing or something in the bottom. And, yeah, and TLD did clean it up. I got to. I got to. Mine looked like I I drooled on it or something because <laughs> it looked like I don't know. It's like iced tea and, or something. I yeah. don't know what it was, man. But uh, yeah, just you look down. It's and quite like, possible. How did that happen? I might have drooled on myself. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I'm just gonna say it. Yep. I've probably done it uh, in in recent history. And this came at the perfect time because I think we've had more winter days in the last two weeks than we've had probably in the last. Although I, I'm I'm happy years. for a return to the balmy 65 today. Yeah, bring it. Which was nice, by the way. All you wimps who who bailed on me. I had a tea time. I was ready to roll mm-hmm. this weekend. Everybody bailed. Too cold. Oh, it is please. funny. Yeah, because this is different weather. You can go out and enjoy well, it. I went out there yesterday, hit balls. It was so sunny and nice. It was yeah. gorgeous out yeah. there, Joe Embrace. C. Embrace. But what are you going to do, man? I yeah. much rather would have been watching the Jaguars try to play their way into the yeah. AFC title yeah. game. It, it hurts because that was basically the end of if you what were you doing a year ago this time. This was the week, the divisional week. When you played on and you came close and you yeah. had, the, you know, the Agnew mistake and, and, and whatever. I mean, that's how far the Jaguars got. That's how great it was this time a year ago. Yeah, somebody told me to stop hating because I was very happy that the Texans got eliminated. No, I'm not going to stop. I, I don't want the Jags division opponents to have success. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I would it, hope in Houston they were happy when the Jags lost exactly. in the division. Right. What like, are you talking like, about? I mean, we recognize C.J. Stroud had a great yeah. year. That doesn't mean I have to root for him. Right. I got news for you. This ain't the SEC. Okay. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're AFC they- South. <laughs> AFC South. That ain't the way AFC it goes. AFC South. Yeah. No Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way, we didn't really get into this. You see CeeDee Lamb's mom over the weekend mm. on Facebook. Dak isn't it. <sighs> Can we just stay out of these? Instead Why of a, do we have to create these issues, right? And so a, somebody replied, basically, tell the youngin 
to come to the home team, meaning Houston. Yeah. CJ would love him. His mom replies, blank, I wish he would. CJ's great. Like, <laughs> is it got your, 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 uh, I mean. The helicopter moms and dads Did, did CD not put up massive numbers? You know, I was about to say, year. having a quarterback that got you to be a first-team All-Pro, that guy stinks. He, he had a great year this year. Right. Like, yeah. Phenomenal year yeah. this year, but I guess because he didn't get him 20 catches in the postseason. Why you aren't know? you Patrick Mahomes? I'm yeah. waiting yeah. for, <laughs> aren't we all waiting for the Stephon Diggs meltdown, though, to oh, come? Yeah. Like yeah. it feels like By the way, yeah. he was involved in those two early plays and got the the, the hell knocked out of him twice yes. early. And then I don't know how and many. And then late, how about late? It, it, oh, that was drop in it his in your lap from seventy. You might want to catch that. It was in his mitts, man. And, and he comes jogging back, holding his fingers apart, like you missed me by. Th- no, he didn't miss Ooh, you, dude. No, 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 no. He put it right on you. <laughs> and uh, that but, one, by the way, he tried to body catch that instead of hands. It, it bounce it right. Yeah. He bounced yeah. it off his shoulder. Pluck yeah. it. Yeah. If you're this guy, if you're the man. Yeah. If you're yeah. him. Joe, oh. I've heard a lot. There's a lot of guys who call themselves him these yeah, days, yeah. like Pockets, yeah. Denmark over there. Yeah, he is him. <laughs> him, yeah. Post, him posted one free throw in the faculty uh, student Baldwin matchup last week. Yeah, I him. thought <laughs> Buffalo had this game. I really did. I thought they had this game. I did too. Yeah, By the way, really. CeeDee Lamb, 135 catches, 1,749 yards, and 12 receiving yeah. touchdowns. Yeah, Mama, don't moan about that. Year. It's That's, one of those, the grass is always greener. Yeah. Yeah. Seems pretty right? good. But yeah. it's her, probably, I'm sure she's heard CeeDee Lamb get some criticism because he didn't do enough or whatever. Mm-hmm. So she's yeah. l- making it known. It ain't me. It's yeah. the other guy. Classic. Right? Classic. So uh, what do you have the coming classic out today? Classic Giselle. Tommy can't do everything. Right, right. I mean, if Wes Walker's going to be out there just dropping everything he throws it. So we'll, we'll uh, obviously go back over all the divisional matchups, you know, tie them all together, who's your favorite now, and then a little college football uh, with some big recruiting we, uh, weekend news that came out. So we'll jump into all that. All right, Joe, have a good show. All right, fellas. Appreciate ya. All right, there we go. Uh, we are done for the day. Very excited. DeBalky, uh, hold a presser. Just don't hold it tomorrow or mm-hmm. Thursday because mm-hmm. we want Demetrius and Ship. To join us, uh, it's been a oh, while yeah. since we had those guys in because of the way that the show gets structured during the season. Show we are calendar, yeah. delighted to have them back. By the way, this should be D Rock should be doing this, but I'm going to buy both those guys breakfast. Uh, oh, okay. This Ooh. week, so D Rock, I feel like should be anytime breakfast is bought for until the next season kicks off. I feel like <laughs> that should be a D Rock thing, even though he's on hiatus he right is, now. He's like, yeah. what are you doing to me, man? Uh, D-Rock, where were you this weekend, by the way? Huh? A little too cold for you on the golf course? This guy, unbelievable. At least Pockets crew went out there and played bad golf. I was laid up now. In the weather. Uh, All right. Uh, That'll do it for us. Thank you for tuning in. And make sure not to miss tomorrow. Demetrius Harvey, Florida Times Union, Jaguar, beat reporter, and Pete Prisco is going to stop by. And we'll ask Pete um, about the genesis of that comment about Balky stepping away. Again, Mm -hmm. made – 13 days ago on a podcast, right? So this was not something he said over the weekend. And he also said in the quote, this is not going to happen, or I don't believe this is going to happen. So, so, but it's always great to have Pete on the program and Mm -hmm. get his uh, thoughts on the off season that is laying out in front of us. All right. All that's coming up tomorrow. Have a great day. XL primetime is next for Tony Smith and Dylan Denmark. I'm Mike Dempsey. Thanks to Hayes Carline for stopping by today. You've been listening to Jaguars today. Keep it right here on 1010XL and 92.5 FM.